Philippians 4, verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Be worrisome for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. Heavenly Father, we pray that you direct our thinking this evening. We pray that our hearts might be open to your direction. Bless us this afternoon. Meet our needs. Encourage us in our responsibilities. We ask these things in our Savior's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to come very close to breaking one of my own personal homiletical rules. Homiletics is the fancy way of saying sermon preparation and sermon preaching. I personally dislike it when I go to a church service and a man gets up and he says, let's talk about Philippians chapter 4, or he says, let's read chapter 4 and verse number 8. And after a word of prayer, he never comes back to it again. Goes off to other things. It's irksome. I've made it a rule in my ministry not to do that. But as I say, I'm coming within a whisker of breaking my own rule this afternoon. In closing his letter to the brethren at Philippi, Paul says, think on these things. What things, Paul? Well, generally speaking, we have verse number nine. Whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think about these things. Meditate on these things. Consider these things. Beyond these general things, the context tells us to think about things in which we can rejoice. It tells us to consider the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Then Paul adds, remember and think about those things which I have taught you. And consider the fact, verse number five, that the Lord is at hand. The Lord Jesus is not very far away. The Lord is coming back. He is near. The recent events in Israel and around Israel, to which we've referred several times already today, they have many people thinking about the return of the Savior. Or for those Jews, the coming of the Messiah. They're concentrating on, on, on these sorts of things, thinking about these things. It is definitely a subject uh, worthy of our consideration. These, these, this is a virtuous uh, consideration. This is something praiseworthy. 
worthy of our consideration, our thought, our meditation. But thinking about the second coming shouldn't come on us every once in a while. When things start going downhill, we need to think about the return of the Lord. Now we need to think about the Lord when everything's going great. We need to think about the Lord at all times, not just when the stench of societal rot is filling our lungs. We need to think about the return of the Lord all the time. Christians should consider the return of Christ in the very best of situations. I was going through my sermon notes the other day asking the Lord, what would you have me to, to preach today? And I can honestly say, as Brother Austin did this morning, I think the Lord led me to this subject. And I was going through my notes and what I generally do or quite often do is I'll put a, a, a paper clip on something that strikes my attention then I'll go back to it. Is that it? Uh, I don't know. But I went through two or three of these notebooks of mine and I put paper clips in. I was going back through them and, and this outline is almost the same as this outline over here. This outline has uh, eight points and the title that the, I had jotted down at the top of the page was The Second Coming. And this one over here with the six points was uh, Effects of the Second Coming. In the atmosphere of current events, I'd like to share with you several scriptures under my own title, Effects of Eschatological Thinking. The Effects of Thinking About Future Things, and in particular, The Return of Christ Jesus. Brethren, it is good to think about these true, honest, virtuous subjects, and this one in particular. And let me say at the outline, outset, it doesn't really matter in regard to this message whether or not you agree with my understanding of the timing of the Lord. Not pertinent, not necessary for this message. I am not going to demand that you believe in the absolute imminent return of Christ versus the relative imminent return of Christ. And if you want to believe it's not for another three and a half years, it really doesn't affect the message at all. At this point, I'm not concerned with what must transpire before the revelation of Christ, before the return of Christ. But I do insist that you agree with Paul that the Lord is at hand. Yes. I didn't say that. Well, yes I did. Paul said that. And he's not the only one. The Lord is at hand. That means he's not very far away. He's coming soon. And that fact that the Lord is at hand is underlying every point that I have to share with you this afternoon. It is a part of all the scriptures to which we will refer, and there will be a bunch of them. In this particular scripture, Paul tells us to think about godly, virtuous, pure, and well-reported things, including the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And then in other scriptures, he tells us now, the Lord is at hand, therefore. The Lord is at hand, so you should be experiencing these things. The Lord is coming again. 
in no particular order this afternoon, and rather lightly because there are so many of them, let's consider what thinking about the return of the Savior should produce in us. Amid the fear that's falling on many due to Israel's war with Hamas, taking my cue from Brother Fulton this morning, the Christian may still have comfort despite all these things. Please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, scripture which we read earlier, earlier this morning. Verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which have already passed away, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. One of the greatest blessings of being a Christian is that we have been made children of the God of all comfort. Yes. In other words, we should have peace and comfort yes. in regard to our eternal souls. Yes. Because we are safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. Not in ourselves. Right. We're not boasting. We can have comfort in the midst of our trials, even our failures within those trials, because all of our sins are under the blood of Christ. Sins tomorrow and next week. We should experience peace and comfort when a loved one dies. When that person has made a profession of faith in Christ. They're safe. Yes, we grieve. But they're, they're okay. The list goes on and on. In regard to the return of the Lord, Paul tells us to share that particular comfort with one another. And that's what I'm doing this afternoon. That's what was done earlier. The Lord is coming again. Look up. Yes. Be joyful. Comfort one another with these words. It doesn't matter how wicked the world is becoming. The Lord is going to be here soon. It doesn't matter how near the bombs and the rockets, the missiles are approaching. It doesn't matter. The Lord is coming again. doesn't matter whether we run out of gasoline or, or beef or beefsteak tomatoes. We'll be dead in a month. That's okay, as we were told this morning. It's okay. We should be comforted in the knowledge that Christ is coming again. Yes. Staying in the context, turn to chapter 5. Here are some of the effects of the second coming, which includes seriousness and watchfulness. Verse number one. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall 
so calm as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. That day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. In the light of the soon coming of Christ, let us watch and be sober. Perhaps I suffer from an overly strong negative reaction to the doomsdayers of society, whether they be Christian or, or non-Christian. Perhaps I should pay more attention to the report of the, the details of the, the, the talks for peace and the talks for war, that sort of thing. Just to be honest, I, I don't. Uh, I respect those who stay up on that sort of thing. I, I'm not slandering them. It's just not my cup of tea. I would much rather preach the gospel. Yes. I would much rather talk about this sort of thing in a general way, encouraging us to keep an eye on heaven as we try to lead others to the Savior, rather than, oh no, these terrible things are going to fall on us. I would, I would much rather listen to the trump and the voice of the archangel than to listen to Trump and CNN and Fox News and the others. Nevertheless, I do hear what Paul says here. No matter what's going on in the world, we should be seriously watching for the return of the Lord. Amen. Not necessarily Gaza, heaven. No matter what's going on in the world, we should be interested, thinking about, meditating on those virtuous things that uh, are described in the return of the Lord. For God, verse number nine, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about the return here. Two verses further down, Paul once again says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Edify one another in these things. By the way, Peter says much the same thing in 1 Peter 1.13. You don't need to turn there, it's just one verse. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation is apoxulipsis. It refers to the appearance, or in this case, the reappearance, the return of the Savior. And there's 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things as is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. There is always room for Christian joy. One of the things that I enjoy about Fellowship Sunday, someone asked me, why are you sitting by yourself? I think that was my granddaughter. Granddad, you're sitting here all by yourself. That's because when I sit there, before others gather around me, I can, I can hear these people down here laughing 
and I hear these ladies enjoying themselves up here, there's, there's room for Christian joy. Yes. We should be happy people. We should be joyful and delight in Christian fellowship. But I'm not sure that the Bible condones today's professional Christian comedians. These are serious days. We need the fellowship and we need the encouragement. We need the joy that we can share with one another. But these are days that require seriousness and, and godly service. There's work to be done. Let's do it. The Savior's coming back soon. Philippians 4, 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Still within the context, another outcome of second coming thinking is godliness. As Paul concludes his first letter to the Thessalonians, he shares in chapter 5, verse number 16, some pithy exhortations. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And then he says, as though all these things culminate in one point, at the, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In deliberately thinking about and putting into practice these Christian attributes, we should be growing more and more holy, more and more like Christ, as the day of the Lord ticks closer and closer and closer. Earlier in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul reminds us that at the coming of the Savior, Holiness will be highlighted. At the coming of the Savior, holiness will be highlighted. Chapter 3 and verse number 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. Toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. If holiness is one of the conclusions of all things, if holiness will be highlighted at the return of the Savior, then it should be a part of our lives as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ Jesus. He doesn't say that holiness is the result of thinking about Christ's return, but he does say that in the light of the second coming, we should be more holy. And isn't this what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.13? I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, 
unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's not the only one to say this sort of thing. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, denying worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Thinking about the soon coming of the Lord should comfort us and lead us to seriousness, watchfulness, and holiness. And another thing such thinking should encourage is our faithfulness. That is one of the lessons of the Lord Jesus' uh, parable of the talents. Turn to Matthew 25. I should read the entire book, or chapter, I should say. Yes, I should read the entire book, and so should you. We'll just summarize the parable by the first few verses. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received the two gained also two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Our Lord is currently in a far country. He's coming back. He's coming back. And when he comes, he will reckon with all of his servants. Those with the five talents, those with the two, even those who have just one. If there's any lesson here, it is that we are to be responsible for the things that God has given to us. And he is coming again to reckon with us in regard to the opportunities and the talents, the blessings that he has given to us. In regard to another parable in Luke 12, Peter said unto the Lord, Speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. The Lord is coming. It may be soon. It may be this afternoon. It may be tonight. May he find us so doing. Same lesson is in the parable of the pounds. I'll let you turn there to Luke 19. Luke 19. Again, we could read a large number of verses. But verse number 12. 
He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. It came to pass, when he returned, whether he was welcome or not, he returned, having received the kingdom. Then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man gained by trading. I'm not going to guess the day or the hour. I'm not going to guess the month or the year in which the Lord will return. But I would prefer that it be before 2.30 on Sunday, the afternoon of the 22nd. So I'm pretty sure I'll be in the ministry at that point in time. But even if it's tomorrow or next Thursday or next year, I want to be found faithfully serving my Savior. The second coming is part of what motivates me and should motivate all of us to be the Lord's servants. It should do that for all of us, whether we be full-time in the ministry or just full-time Christians. And I, I have just in quotation marks there. We're all full-time Christians with pounds and talents to serve the Lord. Peter deals with this subject thinking primarily about the work of the gospel preacher, the pastor. 1 Peter chapter 5. I know that we studied that some time ago. But 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. I'm making you look up these scriptures to keep you from falling asleep. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Preacher, feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not, not by constraint, but willingly. And not for a paycheck, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The owner of the company is uh, away from headquarters. Or maybe we should say he's in headquarters. One of these days he's going to come back to the factory. He's going to inspect. And he's not going to just ins inspect the product that we are producing. He's going to actually look at the work we are doing and how it is being done. Our work, our day, should be spent in the light of the imminent coming of the King. Yes. The coming of the Lord encourages us in our perseverance and patience in the midst of trials. Turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 32. 
I think that's the verse. I've got such a mishmash of stuff here. But call to remember the former days. Is that verse 32? Good. But call to remember the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great flight or fight of afflictions. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used, for ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your... You, you gave of your own property, knowing in yourselves that ye have a, in heaven a better, more enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Christ has promised to return after a little while. His little while may not be the same as my little while, but he is coming again. He is nigh. Can't we endure these physical afflictions? whatever they are. Can't we be patient in the light of his, this, his promise? James 5, 7 and 8. Be patient therefore, brethren. Be patient unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. One more point. A couple of scriptures. The Savior's return should give us a godly outlook, generally speaking. Second oh. Peter chapter 3, verse number 10. Second Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent feet, er, heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for, hastening unto, the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, I know that in the last half hour I've blended several things together. The return of Christ, the judgment, the day of the Lord, uh, the translation, the rapture if you like. But I think we should all be able to say they are related and they are connected with the words, the Lord draweth nigh. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for these things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot. Blameless, 
And one other scripture, 1 John chapter 3. A dear, beloved, favorite scripture. Verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He shall appear. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. The apostle John was convinced of the Lord's soon coming. And we shall see him as he is. Thinking about that return, praying for Christ's return, living in expectation of the second coming should make us better people should make us better Christians, better servants of God. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Is the second coming producing in you what the Holy Spirit intended? If thoughts about the second coming terrify you, then you need to fall on your face before the cross. Yes. Are you comforted? Are you learning to be patient? Lord, I want you to come right now. Be patient. Are you holy? Are you faithful? Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I'll leave you with that. Please stand.